Welcome to the Moot Community Podcast. At the Moot's virtual retreat in May 2010, Mark Berry, leader of the Safe Space Community in Telford, continues with his reflections on how the Holy Trinity inspires us to be a missional community. This is the third of four recordings. If we're going to wrestle with being community, the first thing we've got to wrestle with is actually, you know, well, the first thing we've got to accept is, look, we are made in God's image and own that, that our diversity is part of who God is. So it's a good thing. Even though it may not be an easy thing, it is a really, really good thing. And it's something that we should celebrate rather than, than, than always have a hard time about. The fact that we are diverse, the fact that we're male, we're female, we're adult, we're um, children, we're gay, we're straight, we're black, we're white, we're indigenous, we're immigrant, you know, we're academic, we're not academic. That's all part of the nature of God and is something really good to hold on to and celebrate, which is not always easy, and that's something of the battle and the tension. Um, but I think it's another reading for us as we go through. Um, Acts, come on, up you come. Acts 4. The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy, those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the, bought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. I know it's not easy, and I, when I started yesterday, I mentioned the other passage in Acts 2, and this sense of how you know, we, we must be realistic about what community is like. And, and this, in some ways, has got to be an ideal that we say, okay, well, look, here is a situation where people really are saying, well, we've got a blank piece of paper, we're going to really be community, and community that cares for and loves each other. It's much harder, I think, for us in our context. It's much harder for us in our modern world with our society, our free market, our sense of ownership and possessions. Um, but even if we were begin to say, well, if we're going to truly rep- you know, understand and recognise that we're made in the image of God as community, we've got to wrestle with some of this. We've got to be willing to say, you know, what would it look like if we could really try, truly try to be community, where we care for each other, where we put each other, you know, all on an equal standing, and we celebrate that diversity, but we structure ourselves around grace. We structure ourselves around making an effort to be graceful, not to be sarcastic, not to be judgmental not to be dismissive or reductionist or whatever the phrase is, the word is, with each other, that we take each other really seriously and we value each other for who we are. Because it's really easy to say, oh, well, you know, that person's, you know, like that and we dismiss them for what they're like, instead of really saying, actually, but what value is the, you know, what value do they bring? Because everybody can bring a value. And I think we can equate the idea of, of the fields and the houses to saying about who we are. I mean, yeah, we can give up our possessions, but also how do we give in ourselves? Um, so I think there is a need not just to dismiss this, as I sort of did at the beginning, and saying, oh, well, it can't ever be like that, but to say, really, is there a line of intent here? Is there a willingness to say we want to wrestle with something which reflects this sense of who God is, this perichoretic sense of community that is coexistent, is self-surrendering, and, is, and has co-participation, mutual involvement, how we involve ourselves in the lives of each other and in, in God's work. Leonardo Boff, then, um, before we get into looking at these little bits. Boff. Call him Frank for short. Um, 
Only persons can be in communion. It means that one is in the presence of the other, different from the other, but open in a radical mutuality. For there to be true communion, there must be direct and immediate relationships, eye to eye, face to face, or Facebook to Facebook, heart to heart. Um, the result of mutual surrender and reciprocal communion is community. I mean, this is Boff writing in the context of liberation theology and saying how, how are communities, how, what would it, you know, what is it like to be community? Um, and to move beyond the community, which is a protest community, which is we are who we are because we're not, or we're in opposition to, but saying, look, this has got to be a real community. True communion is about relationship and real relationship and honesty and openness and struggle together. The radical mutuality. And that's the toughest. I mean, in that context, that's the most radical mutuality because the instinct is to set up this them and us. Uh, and Boff is saying, no, we can't do that. We have to have a radical mutuality which says we will be different and we may actually need to be community with, with the oppressor, which is, I think, why he's one of the most radical and inspiring of the, the liberation theologians because he takes it to a new level. Um, <clears throat> But I think you can, you know, we can even begin to see, well, look, within a small community, how do we do this? How do we actually struggle to have that radical mutuality? When, you know, we can all be bitches. We can all kind of gossip and moan and dismiss people. And yet here is a call, I think, to something different, to something deep. And before we kind of move on to what I think some of the key things that we're struggling with and we're, and we're wrestling with, Miroslav Volf, just to... Just to make him happy. <laughs> it's precisely the uniqueness of God's relation to me that makes me into a unique person. Yet in God's relation to me, a relation creating me as an individual human being, I do not stand as an individual isolated from other human beings and my environment. Without other human beings, even God could not create an isolated being. That would not be a human being. That, you know, and effectively what he's saying is there's actually, you know, we, we are not an island. An, an isolated human being would not be a human being because part of that reflecting of God's true nature is community and as made in the basis of living in community, an isolated human being is not a human being. Um, and you only have to look at the way that, you know, that solitary confinement has become a torture to realise that actually we don't exist fully. We can't exist fully in a solitary place. Um, it's very tough. And some, it, it's a way that can take you out of being human, and, and we can look at the, the, the solitary monks and see how they use it as a way of being elevated, in a sense, out of being human. But it's been a torture for years. So that's just a bit of a foundation then. A few things that I think we, we are wrestling with, and I'll tell you a bit, I guess, um, as how we're struggling to understand what it means to be community. Firstly, our first thing that we're wrestling with is what does it mean to be a body? That image that we read in Scripture about uh, the body is one that we're all, in, in 1 Corinthians, is, is one we're all incredibly familiar with. And we can all sit around and go, yeah, 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 we know that, that we're all different parts. That some are hands, some are feet, some are eyes, some are, yeah, we know that. But what does that actually mean for being community? And this is what we wanted to wrestle with. What does that mean? And what does it mean about how we are one body? not just a pot full of parts, because that's how we, we sense that, that working together, how we understand leadership, um, and how we then see, and this is one of the things that we, we've been exploring, is that we're a small bunch of people, 
and we're all very different and we all have different gifts. But recognising that all of those gifts are really intrinsic and important to who we are and to what God has called us to be. Because we do have a sense, without wanting to be arrogant, because I think it's the same for all of us, that God has a reason for us being community. And he gives us purpose. I don't think there's one sense of, right, this is the, the road, this is the treadmill that we're on, the escalator we're on. But actually he takes us and wants to use us. And so therefore there is a sense that he needs us to really reflect on who he has made us as individuals and to be willing to allow that to be community. So, so our sense then is that one of the things about gifting, uh, about the body, sorry, is that it's actually about recognising our own gifting. To put it really you know, banally, am I a hand, am I a foot, am I a Who's God made me to be? What are, what are my gifts? So I think in terms of when we start thinking about what it means to be a body, the first place we've got to start is actually recognising what our own gifts. We may need each other to do that. We may actually need to have a relationship with each other to say, what is my gifts? Um, because sometimes it's hard to see the, the wood for the trees. You know, it's hard to actually understand and know what our gifting is. And doing that in the context of community help, may well help us to, you, know, you and I, to recognise what my own gift is, what my purpose, what my part of this body is. Because we, you know, I firmly believe that if we're going to be community, there are no passengers. There are no dead parts. Now, that isn't meant to be a sense of, well, you know, a, a disciplinarian thing of, you know, telling the passengers off. But this is a sense that actually we all have something that we need to give to the community. Because without it, the community is less. The community is less. You know, that, and, and that's the sense that we get with the Trinity, that this is the Trinity is all playing their parts within this creation, redemption and recreation process. And without one, the Trinity would be less and would not be able to function. And I believe it's the same with community, that we all have something that we need to give. So helping each other to discover what those gifts are, recognising our own gifts, discovering that gift. And then we get to the self-surrender bit. Because I think it's really important to actually be willing to give our gifts in to the community. Now, our Western mindset tells us that actually we don't do that. Because we, we, want, to be, we want power, we want to be, you know, to be appreciated and so on. But then we have this humility complex, don't we? That says, well, I, you know, I am not gifted, I haven't got anything. And you, you, some of you have been teasing me already because I start off by saying I'm not a theologian. And how often we start with, oh, I'm not a... You know, and I do it myself, and we all do it. So we don't want to actually really give ourselves in to the community. We want to hold back because of our sense of inadequacy, maybe our sense of um, misplaced humility, um, maybe because we don't believe it ourselves, that we are a gifted person, that we are somebody special within the context of a whole. And maybe we just don't believe it. And that's where, as a community, we actually need to be supporting each other gracefully to realise our own gifts. Because in realising our own gifts, we're then able to give them in. And I think that's a significant thing. I think we can sit around a table, and we've done this, and say, well, that person's got this gift, that person's got that gift, that person's got that gift. But unless there's a willingness to surrender those gifts into the community, then they just are isolated gifts. They don't create that um, hotbed of gifting, of, of ability and of, of usability that God wants us to be. So that sense of one, we have to surrender. We have to give in our gifts. That mean, doesn't mean give up because we don't lose them. 
But what we found that happened, this kind of surprised us, I'll be honest with you, because, like I say, we don't sit around trying to formulate theology, so we don't really understand why this happened. But what we have discovered, and you may have discovered it too, and if, if you have, I'm sorry for teaching you to suck eggs, but what we discovered is that when we recognise our own gifts and are willing to surrender them into the community, those gifts then flow. And there becomes this flowing of gifting which flows into the community and out of the community. So just for an example... When our creatives people, when our artists, and we're not great artists, but when those of us who have artistic gifts surrender them into the community and start using them within and for the community, one, we as a whole become more creative, but also each one of us as an individual becomes more creative. So those who would say, oh, I don't have any artistic gifts, I'm not a gift, I'm not creative, when the creatives give in their gift, it spreads almost by some kind of spiritual osmosis. I mean, I don't know if you guys have experienced this. And the same with the prophets. When the prophetic gifting are used, we all start prophesying. Maybe not on the same kind of level, maybe not in the same kind of way, but there's something about when that gift is given into the community that it flows through the veins of the body and permeates all parts. And again, we can look at the Trinity and say, okay, we can say God the source, God the Father is the creator, but actually we see the whole of the Trinity participating in creation with the gifts of creation and of, of recreation. There are seasons, though, aren't there? There are seasons. I mean, what we, what I know, this yeah. must not be heard as guilt because I might not be giving it the moment. No, no. But it's more about that there are moments and flows uh, like the Trinity takes turns. Yeah, absolutely. So, so some people, when they've got really busy work... It's not about not doing. It's not, it's not about right. doing. It's not about doing. It's about being willing to give in who I am to the community. Yeah. It's not about, and, and one we, we can also say, and one of the things I was going to say in terms of leadership, is that actually how our leadership flows with the seasons. And so if we're all prepared to give in, then there are times when our creative, at times when our intercessors, times when our prophets need to take the lead in, in the direction the community's going. And times when our pastors need to tell everybody to slow down. Times when our prophets need to call us to, to, to actually think the bigger picture. Times when our intercessors need to call us to times of prayer. Um, you know that so there are, there are yes there are very much seasons and we do that together in the context of a humble community that's about giving up power the gifting isn't about having power nor is it about a duty it's about who you are as an individual it's about who God made you to be um, and willing and being willing to surrender that in and there are times when that you know that gift is you know actually not at the forefront of what that community is doing but the readiness to say well this is who I am and I'm ready in that season yeah. So no, it's not a guilt thing and it's not a doing thing. It's more of a being thing um, than a doing thing. And, and, and gifting, and this is one of, the things that, one of the things I'm trying to say, which is in the way that we use our gifting, it isn't about taking, one, it isn't about taking power, which is, you know, it's about giving up power for that in, in the sense of leadership. And this is the tough thing for leaders, I think, because there's a sense of giving power. And, and a, a, a priestly ministry in this is not about doing it all, um, but actually it's about releasing power um, um, and seeing the big picture to actually look at the whole body. So, you know, the, the, for, for once, I hate to use the use head in this context because it, it's, it implies hierarchy, but, but it isn't. It's the kind of the consciousness in that sense isn't going to go and pick up a pen because it, it's not, you know, but it knows where to send the messages to. It knows how to actually get the body to work. And I think there's a sense in the leadership that we do that. Um, 
But I would also say that in terms of, like, uh, you know, one of the things I'm saying about this flow of gifting that we've experienced and that we've kind of, I think is part of this flowing through the veins, which is, it isn't about saying, right, I'm, this is my thing, so I'm going to do it. It's about, okay, this is who I am. This is who I'm giving into the community. And there are times when I will do it. But also there is a sense that if I give this into the community, part of that may be to release other people to do it, mm-hmm. to mentor, to support, to just simply for that gift to flow. You know, so it isn't about the person doing it all. So, as I say, when, when just to use an, a, 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 a spiritual example, a, a, our prophet... Um, and we have somebody who's a very gifted, spiritually gifted prophet. And she would say, and, or let's use an exa- another example. Let's use our, uh, the person who is clearly our, our intercessor, the person with a real gift of intercession. Actually, her job is not to pray for everybody. Her job is to call the rest of us into prayer. So she calls us into prayer. She leads us into prayer. She doesn't do the prayer for us. She leads us into prayer. Our creatives lead us into thinking and worship and engaging with God more creatively. Our activists lead us all into action. Rather than doing it all, they will take a lead and draw us in through their gifts and through their support in in that. So it's not simply about doing of jobs. It's actually about how we all lead our community, how we take our turns. And I think that's right. And I think, thank you for that. This seasonal sense of... of and and our, my, our sense as a community is that our leadership has a seasonal dimension, very much so. And that if everybody relies on me to lead the community, there are times when the community's dead in the water because I'm just not in a place to lead. And it's not my gifting to lead at that stage. Which is why I think more people like, you know, in, uh, who are in positions of the, the leader are, are talking much more about being guardians of the vision than the kind of CEO, the business leader. So that sense of how we help and how we as individuals. So, yeah. But this is something that we're wrestling with. And that's to say this session is, is actually more about how we're wrestling with these themes uh, as, as what it means to be community. And it, and it may be, and it is in the sense that recognising that, um, you know, let, looking at the Trinity again, you know, we, we, in Psalm 33, as we've read, we hear that the, the breath and the word were involved in the process of creation. But the source of creation, the leading creation, as we think about it, is 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 the source, the Father. But actually there's this co-participation that we can say the lead in the, pro- in, in the redemption was Christ. And yet we've got to acknowledge that the whole of the, the community is involved in that process. So different, people, different gifts have different seasons of leading. But our willingness to say, I surrender into the community who I am and all that goes with that, I think is, is, is the starting point of, of saying, this is who I am. And these are my struggles too. Um, and, and my struggles in using my gifts, being willing to surrender that into the community, that eschewing of power and control. But also the thing that we actually find out who we are much more, as I was saying in the Ubuntu stuff, when, when, when we are able to actually pursue who we are made to be and to listen and to learn from, from others. So that's the sense of body. The second one for us that we're really wrestling with in terms of how, do we, how are we community stroke communitas is about vulnerability. To quote from Anne Morrissey, rather than ignore sin... The way through it is to embrace the fact that we have all fallen short. We are all sinners. By owning deeply our vulnerability to error, we can embrace the deep humility that results. It is only with this frame of mind that we have open hands. So this vulnerability is about honesty, about our struggles. And not saying that, okay, you know, one person has sinned and therefore we've got to deal with that. So we're not being clinical about this. This isn't about, well, we've got one sin. It's the fact that we're all sinners. Look, let's just be honest with that. 
Let's just realise that we all fall short of the glory of God. Let's get over that idea that some of us are better than others, that some of us are professionals and some of us need sorting out. Some of us are, you know, that, that, that's not the way it is. Yes, there are going to be seasons when our pastors take lead in pastoral work, and yes, we're going to need to support each other, and yes, some of us go through difficult times and need help at certain times, but we do that in the sense of mutual vulnerability, that we need to have a level of intimacy. We need to, to be with each other, to understand each other, to give that, on, that real sense. And I, when I think of, in, of the intimacy and vulnerability and honesty, I always think of Jesus in the garden. You know, in that moment, we get this real, um, you know, the, just on, on after the, the Last Supper, and there he is wrestling with, you know, the bit where it's, if you can take this cup off me, that whole sense of wanting. That real, that's a real glimpse into the relationship of the Trinity, of the honesty and the vulnerability and the intimacy that is there. There's no sense of pride or even really of duty in that. It's an honesty and it's an openness and saying, well, okay, this is what I need to do. You know, I trust you, I'll do it. But the conversation was there. And I think there's something about that intimacy that I like that created the space for Jesus to be honest with the Father and say, look, this is the crap I'm going through. This is the struggle. Look, I wasn't going to go through it, but I still need you to know the struggle that I'm going through. And it, it re reminds me so much of something that we have all the time in the community, which is that we have to, or sometimes people have to recognise that we don't always want fixing all of the time. And if that sometimes there can be a temptation that within community, when we start to struggle that we all, everybody else piles around and says, right, let's pray for you, let's sort you out. And it's like, no, I just need you to know where I am. I just need you to know where I am at this moment. And that I'm okay with that, kind of. I'm doing it in my own time. I need you to pray for me, but I don't need to be treated like a patient at this point. And that level of honesty, which is what I see Jesus doing in the garden. It's like, okay, God, I know, you don't, you know, you know you're not going to take this away from me, but I need you to know what I'm going through. I need you to understand who I am at this moment and I'm prepared to go ahead and get on with it but just at this moment I need you to know and I think there's something about the way that we are in community that we need to know and we need other people to know that where we are and it isn't about fixing it's just that level of honesty and intimacy and trust and exposure so one of the things that we do um, uh, you know, as part of our practices is to have soul friends. Well, one of the things we do is, is to say that if we're really going to be, you know, open about who we are and struggle with who we are, then sometimes, the odd, the, the, sometimes it's difficult to do that when we're all together in the first step. So we say that, that everybody in the community has at least one person who is a soul friend. They're not a spiritual director. Um, they are simply somebody that they can go and speak to or speak at really you know just somebody that can go at, at you know and any time of the night or day they can just go and say i just need to talk at you i just need you to know where i am and and so there's that sense of flow and that the, the anamkara idea which is a celtic idea the soul friendship was that that person was there was an intimacy so deep that your soul friend your anamkara will be the person who would kneel at your bedside individual when you, um, when you died. So that sense of real intimacy and knowledge of each other, because there's a two-way thing, it allows people to speak into each other's lives in honesty. 
and not hold anything back, which is not always easy. So one of the things we do is to say, well, look, there has to be this flow of, of trust. There has to be this flow of soul <coughs> friendship. So that it's not spiritual directors because there's a mutuality in it. It's not somebody doing it, somebody else, and then somebody else. It's actually that this is a pattern that we've tried. And it doesn't always work, but I think there's something about developing this flow of trust and exposure. Okay, thirdly, hospitality. One of the things that I think uh, we're constantly wrestling with is this tension of hospitality. So it's something we're passionate about. And I think it's something, if we look at the Trinity, we can see that this community that God models is a community of hospitality because there is this welcome, this embrace of us into. You know, there's this not, it doesn't feel like there's this setting apart of God who says, well, I'm up here and you're down there and this, you can get this close but no further. Um, or you can come to a, a, a just looking at God group or whatever. But actually there's this sense of, no, you, we dot you in, that you become part of the household. You're no longer a guest you are part of the household. So much scripture talks about that whole thing. I love that bit in John, isn't it, where 14, when it's just, um, you know, there are many rooms in my, in my father's house. Actually, God welcomes us into the house as part of the household. Mi casa su casa. You know, and, and that to me is a real sense of hospitality, which is your, I mean, it's a difficult sense of hospitality because it's a sense that says you're not a guest. Well, if you're not a guest, you pitch in, don't you? If you're not a guest, you don't expect people to be waiting on your hand and foot. You know, that's real hospitality, which says, okay, you can come in, but you're not coming as a guest, you're coming in as family, whether you like it or not. So there's a real struggle, I think, with actually how we manage that hospitality, how we manage a, t a tension of intimacy and openness, but does it in a way which, has, which, is, which is hospitable. But I think, for me, that's, uh, that hospitality, which is at the heart of who God is, has to be at the heart of what it looks like to be a community that's modelled on God. So how we live lives of hospitality, how we are a community of hospitality, but also how we live as a community of sacrificial hospitality, which I think is, is even tougher. Um, and again, I don't know if this is something you wrestle with, but this sense of hospitality that says, we welcome you as a member of our household, even though we don't like you. you know, how do we do hospitality that says we welcome the other in? Um, and then we said so we go back to the Oaks of Mamre. The great bit, that I, the thing that I love most about that story, when Abraham pitches his tent, is what he does, which is the three visitors turn up, and Abraham's immediate reaction is to step out of the tent. So here is the tent. So he doesn't just invite the three to join him in the tent. He invites them into the tent, and then he steps out and serves them. So that hospitality, which says not only is this your house as it is my house but I'm going to step out and I'm going to be the servant and I'm going to welcome you and his family but I'm going to serve you and I'm going to love you um, despite the fact that actually you may be awkward and you may not fit and I may not like you or agree with you and that's a real struggle when you're a small community <coughs> how do you do hospitality which is truly sacrificial I think you you know in our, in our two senses of where we've struggled or where we, we we're exploring this one is in, in our in the core of our community. And there are different ways that we do this, which is to invite people in, to have an open door, that people come in and join us. And sometimes they stay for a long time, sometimes they stay for good, sometimes they were just passing through. But actually, there has to be a willingness in the community to, to say, okay, come in to the heart of the community. This, that, you know, and we 
we also invite people in. So, for example, we we have a druid who's part of who's on the sort of fringes of the community who we invite we've invited in to come and be part of the community, and you know um we welcome people in and sometimes it makes life very difficult to make to to manage the sort of intimacy when you've got new people coming in we always say and it happens when somebody leaves the community it's painful you know it's like having an amputation but at the same time when somebody new comes in it's equally painful because it's like having a graft and a graft is painful a graft changes things it bruises you you know it's it's not easy and I think that's one of those struggles that we have. It's like, you know, sometimes we think just leaving, somebody leaving is going to be painful, but actually somebody coming can be just as painful and having to manage that and wrestle with that and see how it changes who we are without losing our real sense of, of, of you know, who we are. We welcome people in and we serve people. Um, and some of those may only be there for a short time. Some of them may be with us for a while. Um, but we welcome them in as family as part of that to, to wrestle with that. But I think, in that, again, in that monastic sense, um, that there is a flow in terms of how people move into community and, and, and out of community. Um, and whether we like it or not, there is going to be different levels of belonging, different levels of commitment, um, and different levels of need. Um, but what we, are, what we personally um, are desperate that what we don't do is, is to make it exclusive, um, so there are some people that we welcome into challenges, like our Druid friend, and we say, look, come and challenge us on, on, on the way that we think, and she's not part of the community. That's why I said, in a sense, she's on the fringes of because she's not part of the community, and she doesn't want or need to be part of the community. But we have a relationship with her. She can come to some of our gatherings and talk with us, and in fact, she's led worship for us and things as well. And then there are people who have come and we have said, you know, I don't fit anywhere, I'm, I'm, I'm lost in sense of my spirituality, I don't fit anywhere. And we've said, come walk with us for a while and explore and we'll talk together and we'll share. And we, get, we tend to get a fairly clear sense early on whether those are people who are going to be with us for a short time, a medium time, or whether they're really going to... There just seems to be an instinctive sense. So I do understand exactly what you're saying, and I think you need to be careful that as you're, commu as, as you're being community that you don't get dragged off somewhere by constantly being in the sense of, well, we're constantly dealing with these people and we never actually be who we need to be and to be community. And I think that's where one of the things about our soul friendship comes in, that we, how we maintain this relationship of intimacy with each other. So, for example, one of the things we, linguistically, is that we don't call um, our gathering... I mean, we are safe space as a community. That's the, that's the kind of name of the community. When we meet together, when we come together on a Thursday night for a meal, as we always do, that's the table. That isn't safe space. That's something that safe space does, and it's part of the rhythm of safe space, but that gathering isn't safe space. So we never say, we're going to safe space on Thursday, we're going to the table, or we're coming to the table. So that's where our hospitality is done, which is why I use the image of the refectory. Um, you know, that we, that, that we do, that that's where we would say to people, come and join with us and be with us um, and be part. But we don't then separate that off and say, well, A, that, that, that's it, or B, that, well, we also have our inward rich, uh, you know, we break bread and we share wine and we welcome people into that context there. But I think you're right. I think there is a sense of how we um, maintain the, the, the vulnerability and the intimacy 
um, within within the core community in, in you know in inverted commas. I don't know if that's kind of. We've got a guy who I spent about half an hour when I was driving down here. I was on on the, on the hands free talking to a guy called Ian, and uh, not this Ian because he didn't answer his phone. Um, <laughs> but um, Ian is a guy who came. He, he was a non was, wasn't a Christian. Never been to church in his life, and came and rang me up and he'd found some stuff on the internet and I went round to see him and we had a long chat and we just got to know each other and then he started coming along to the table and for about six months was a real part of what was going on at the table. Now, after about six months, he left for a personal, really some faith reasons and personal reasons with some of the guys and there was a bit of a tension. We had a bit of a struggle because of language more than anything. And, but Ian's always been part of the community. And Ian is part of the community. Um, and although he doesn't attend the table at the moment, he's working his way back because it he, he, he wasn't right for him. And he's sort of, but he's still part of the community and he's still part of our journey. And we still walk with him and we see them a lot and they come to Greenbelt with us and so on. But just at this moment, for, for the last few months, he hasn't felt he's able to be part of that. Now, our sense is that's fine. Okay, we want him to be part of so feel part of the community that he, that he can feel he can come to the table. But at this moment in time, he's not ready, and, and that's okay. So I think there is a sense that, you know, there is space for people to come and for people to go, but we still acknowledge, and we regularly pray, and we, did, we were doing this on Thursday, for those that have been with us, either for a night or for, you know, a, a long period of time. So we still have a sense that they... They leave something of who they are and they change something of who we are in, in the community, um, even though they may never become drawn into being part of that, that core community. I think our model of, of, of monasticism is, is probably slightly different, has more of a Celtic kind of tinge, and I don't mean a kind of romantic Celtic, um, but something of that, um, that the, the community and the mission and, and the minster kind of understanding of, of, of community. And also something about, and there's a, um, we'll, we'll talk about that um, maybe in a minute, but we went to, a, on one of our pilgrimages, we went down to Ireland and um, went to a place called Nendrum on Strangford Lock, just outside Belfast. And on, Nendrum is, a, is on a hill, and it, it takes up some, of the co some common themes for us. It's on a hill... And it's a classic kind of Celtic concentric circles like ripple marks with the walls. And in the middle, there is the, the, the core community's place, the chapel and the tower, and that's where the monks would live. But that's in the middle on the top of the hill. And then as you go, out, as you go down the hill, there's, it, there are these rings that go round. And different parts of the community lived in different parts of the rings. So the other place that we went to, just on the other side of Strangford Lock, is a place called Grey Abbey which is a Cistercian ruin, and that's the opposite kind of idea, in the sense that the cloister, which is the community bit, is in the middle, and it's hidden, and it's hidden by all these big walls, and then there's the church on the outside and so on. And when we were sort of praying through this and thinking about this, for us in this, in this image of these two communities was that sense that the core community was not hidden away in the middle, but we wanted the core community to be the most exposed bit, and in like Nendra, in the sense that the, the core community lived in the, on the most exposed bit of the, of the hill, of the island, and that all the people around could constantly see the core community 
and the way that they were doing their spirituality and they were doing their living. So there was a sense for us that, yeah, there are people who can come into the different rings around us, but at the same time, we, this isn't a coming in to a, like an enclosed bit, but actually it was a looking at the exposed bit somehow. And that's something we're kind of struggling with, is that um, how our hospitality does, leaves us exposed, but also has that sense of the, the secure and the sacred part of who we are as a community. We haven't got, the, we haven't got all the answers, and I appreciate your, um, your comments, because we're, we're wrestling with some of this and, uh, as well, which is why I said all, all this is our wrestling with, trying to, make, trying to fit this somehow around this idea of community. Um, um, so moving on to, um, so I'm aware of time, but, um, the, the last couple, um, <coughs> the walking together, one of the things for us is this sense that we're a pilgrim people, um, that we always acknowledge that we're moving, that there is a story to who we are, that we're not static, just as we look at the Trinity and, and the role of the Trinity within creation and redemption and, and so on, there's this sense of moving. And that we allow people to be on a journey going at their own pace. And that we celebrate this each moment as we go and the big vision. This is kind of going on a little bit from the Trinity. But the sense of being a pilgrim story. Our, our connection with St. Brendan is this idea um, that Brendan set sail and went to America. And as he set sail on this seven-year journey, he said, to, you know, um, he said, I leave, leave a print of my knee in the sand and turn my back on, on my homeland. And let Christ be my guide and Christ be my navigator. So this sense of being willing to take some risks, I think, is, is... If we want to tie this into the Trinity, which I guess I ought to do, <laughs> is that this is the sense of the incarnate God, the pilgrim God, which we'll talk about in the, the, one of the sessions, um, in fact, in the next session, or maybe it's the next one, about the sent, the, you know, the sent people, the sending God. That this is an incarnate God who walks with us, and we walk in the community. Um, and finally, sense of relational spirituality holistic spirituality. So some of the things that we're exploring within, within this are, are about rhythm, are about um, reflecting the rhythm of the context that we're in and developing a rhythm that threads through our lives that isn't about our one gathering but actually is about all of our spirituality. Um, rhythm of life, spiritual practices, I know this is something you're exploring um, and we can talk about this uh, later on if you want to, but some of that sense of actually how we maintain the relationship. And when you look at the way that Jesus related to the Father, how much time was built in, in terms of developing that relationship. So we're talking about stillness. We're talking about time, wrestling with God, and building time to grow relationships. Um, and the practices that we have to develop that real sense of relationship with each other, and with God, with the whole of God, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to flip on to the liminality, maybe we'll come back to. I just want to, to finish with a couple of quotes. Um, Jean Vanier, the sense of belonging flows from trust. Trust is the gradual acceptance of others as they are with their gifts and their limits, each one with the call of Jesus. And this leads to the realisation that the body of community is not perfectly whole and cannot be. Uh, that, is, that this is our human condition and it's alright for us to be less than perfect but we can walk together in hope celebrating that we are loved in our brokenness and I think in a sense that's what being community is what it means to be the core community for us is this sense of, of really wrestling to be together wrestling with our weakness and our need for each other 
um, and our need to actually be complementing each other in the way that we are and in, in uh, who we are as human beings, but also what God calls us to, to do. And Brother Samuel, to finish, the renewal of both the church and society will come through the re-emergence of forms of Christian community that are homes of generous hospitality, places of challenging reconciliation and centres of attentiveness to the living God. And I think that um, those three aspects, three aspects, generous hospitality, challenging reconciliation and centres of attentiveness to the living God. So we've got about openness and about service and hospitality. We've got about peace, about reconciliation amongst human beings. But not nice, just nice peace, but challenging peace, challenging reconciliation. But also this real need for spirituality, this real need for being centres of attentiveness to the living God. Um, and our sense is that if we are going to go on and focus on mission and on how we're called to be a sent people, which is what we'll talk about in the next sort of little session, that actually this is the fundamental core of, of, of relationship, the intimacy, the openness, um, and, and actually dealing with our vulnerabilities and our brokenness. Thank you for listening to this Moot podcast. For more information on the Moot community and its resources, please visit www.moot.uk.net.